Welcome back to episode 65 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I give my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive in a high school DxD hero. Released in 2018, it has 12 episodes and comes in both sub and dub. I continued on in sub. I was contemplating where to put this section of the review and decided it had to be first to get it off my chest. We had a studio change this season, from TNK to Passione. I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, but I don't care. The quality didn't just drop off, it took a complete nosedive, crashed into the ground, and exploded into a fiery mess. I was glad I watched Hero so close after Born. Not that I wouldn't have noticed the change in art style, but viewing them only a few series apart highlighted just how bad it got. Everyone received a downgrade to some extent. Irina was almost unrecognizable when I first saw her in the classroom. Akino's eyes are completely purple now, they look like gems lacking the basic detail of having a clear pupil. When it came to Zenovia, I mentioned in my Full Metal Panic review I wasn't sure how I felt about a blue hair-brown eye combination. This confirms I don't like it. Why change her eye color now after all this time? Riaz lacked the definition she had in previous seasons. She looked like a different person due to the changes in her facial structure. The color of her hair was now neon red. If the lights went out, it would glow in the dark. My first time watching Hero, I thought it was only the blonde characters that were violated. Aja's cowlick was mad long and distracting, but the most ruined character of all was Kiba. To illustrate the difference to a friend, I put side-by-side pictures of Season 2 Kiba to Season 4. DxD knew Kiba looked like a professional studio drew him compared to a student taking introduction to art attempting to draw a cute boy and hero. Kiba this season looked like he belonged to My Little Pony. The visuals overall lost their grittiness in my opinion. I mentioned Bourne's animation fell short compared to previous seasons, but I'd take a slip over this garbage any day. Look at the fight on the bridge, it had some horrible drawings and movement. The art style switch bothered me so much I found it difficult to pay attention for the first four episodes. To reinforce how much this change affected me, if you follow my reviews you know I don't mind a camera flare sensor, but I refuse to deal with huge out of place coverings. I hated the look of this season so much, I watched Hero on Crunchyroll completely censored with giant logos plastered on the screen. This studio should be embarrassed for putting out such a weak product. Something else I struggled with in Hero was the way in which the story was told. Especially in the first few episodes, I felt things were being discussed that I had no idea about. Like Issei having his own avatar-like connection to past lives through meditation, or being given the key to unlock his potential. A lot of this information is skimmed over in flashback sequences, which I felt odd for DxD. Now getting to the actual story. Issei is back at it with a bed full of girls before going on a school trip. On the way he had to stop and indulge Sir Zex with a demonstration. I didn't like Syra Org and Issei having a spar at the start of the season. I understand it forces Issei to become stronger to take him on in the raiding game, but I didn't want to see them going at it hard this early. Though I did enjoy the fight with the healing of the cracked dragon armor and that Issei used promotions other than Queen. Both the Rook and Bishop upgrades were utilized well in battle. I will say I thought it was pretty stupid to give the source of Issei's strength away in a training match. I ride pretty hard for Aja, but she has to take the L on that one. Issei seemed to take getting stronger serious this season. 
He did well evading the yokai without using his red dragon powers. What really surprised me is Issei's maturity when it came to leadership and fight IQ. When he was battling on the bridge against the hero faction, he took into consideration his full team wasn't present. Issei thought of weapons and a strategy tailored to what he knew about the opposition in order to guide his friends to victory. I was shocked by Issei's growth this season. Don't get me wrong, he still uses boobs to gather information in battle, but that's just who he is. Riaz was again downplayed in Hero. All she did was whine about Issei not being around for the first half of the season. When she was teleported to the fight against the Hero faction, it was so Issei could use her to power up. They should have kept Riaz there to fight seeing as she's a king and all. Instead she is shipped back home right after Issei's done fondling her. The summoning was awesome, it would have been cool to see Riaz and Issei fight together, but they reduced her to being boob buttons. Riaz is upset with Issei for the majority of the season for being unable to answer the question what she is to him. Now I want to go through how and why it got to this point. Riaz is to blame. Riaz is the one who saved Issei's life and turned him into a devil. The entirety of season 1 she declares he needs to be useful to her. Riaz made it quite clear Issei is a servant and she is his master. Right away this relationship has been set on unequal ground. Why would Issei believe his master would want to be romantic with him? Now the argument could be made Riaz is always naked around Issei jumping into his bed, but every girl in the series does that. At this point it's a sign of friendship to Issei. Riaz's other big point of contention is Issei doesn't refer to her as Riaz, he calls her president. Everyone in House Grammary calls Riaz president. Why would Issei feel he should be any different? Also back in season 1, Akano called Riaz by her name and was scolded for it. If Riaz's best friend, queen, and right-hand lady is expected to call her president at school, in what world would Issei think he could do differently? Issei got a kiss from Riaz at the end of season 1 after saving her from Riser. Of course he would have taken that as a thank you. The beginning of this season, Riaz kissed Issei before he gets on the train. Instead of saying something then, she specifies it is simply a goodbye kiss. Then Riaz wonders why Issei doesn't realize she wants more from him. Her mother even set it up perfect for Riaz to have a conversation with Issei in the dressing room at the Underworld show. Instead of taking that opportunity, Riaz walked away not telling Issei how she feels. Something Hiro did very well just like Born was use instances from past seasons to create new stories. I was a little harsh on Issei during my review of season 1 and how he was stupid for believing a stranger like Yuma would want to be with him. Issei has actually carried those thoughts this entire time. The haunting dreams of Yuma started in Born, and it made so much sense why Issei would question Riaz being in love with him. The last time Issei opened his heart to a beautiful girl, he was humiliated and crushed. Of course this past trauma would make him bottle his feelings. That betrayal would have Issei believing he isn't good enough for Riaz or that she doesn't truly want him. The girls recognize this and console Issei in the best way ever with a naked group hug. Using all the different forms of healing to fix his heart. The fact it was the OG girls actually around at that time made it even better. I don't know how being cuddled by five naked girls makes you want to try monogamy, but to each their own. Issei finally confesses to Riaz, just when you think this series will change, everyone busts through the doors to declare they will still go after Issei relentlessly. Ajin and Issei's compatibility is excellent and they are perfect for each other. The fortunes do not lie, and they have a lovely kiss in Issei's closet. In my review of Born, I was happy Aja was established as more of a sister character, but if Hiro wants to throw that out the window, I'm cool with it. Seeing these two together was great because Aja is very open with her feelings for Issei, it makes for a non-complex wholesome bond. Aja didn't get much to do this season. She didn't participate in the rating game, thank god, and when it came to the fight she mostly hugged Kuno in the corner. 
Aja is getting stronger. She healed multiple people from a distance. It was nice to see her growth. Even when Aja tried to be helpful by healing Issei, he still used Phoenix Tears. That seemed like a waste as they only had one vial. Issei didn't know the status of his comrades. Someone else could have really needed those tears. I was happy Hiro began to reinvest in building upon Kiba and Issei's friendship. Even small instances like Kiba sitting on the train next to Issei making a plan to meet up during the school trip. Kiba acknowledges Issei as the leader when Riaz wasn't present during the bridge fight and they compare what girls paid attention to who during the live action Opai Dragon show. The two of them talking shop in preparation for the rating game was fun. I just like these guys as buddies and they even called each other best friends. Zenobia has kept that same energy and with Aja Pasto, she tries to rope Arena into a three-way this time. She had an angel convinced dragon babies would be good for heaven. Her opening attack with the upgraded holy sword put a crater into the city against the hero faction. I was impressed with her strength increase. I didn't care for the Opai dragon play or the press conference, but it led to my favorite arc of DXD. I loved the structure of the rating game. Not being able to enter two consecutive matches kept things balanced and the best fighters couldn't be spammed repeatedly. Everyone was more likely to participate and you had to be cautious when you played a certain person. Each piece being assigned a number value giving us different team combos was awesome. It was also another chance for Riaz to be slapped in the face as Cyra Org was valued at 12 and she was only 8. Queens were numbered at 9 meaning Akano is considered stronger than Riaz. Going into this I knew host Gremory was going to win. They lost against Riser and Diodora's was a disqualification. So I doubted the show would have our main crew go 0 wins, 2 losses, and 1 no contest. I tried to predict the victors of each battle and did pretty well. The first match Kiba faced off against another knight. With the lance, horse, and armor he seemed to take the title seriously. I knew Kiba would win because Furcast wasn't given a real introduction. They wouldn't have Kiba defeated by a random. Kiba did have to use his new power in the first fight. That showed the other team isn't weak and we were in for a hard fought rating game. When Furcast said impressive during his elimination, it reminded me of Goblin Slayer due to the similar effect added to the voice to convey speaking through a helmet. Going into round 2, I knew we would have to lose at least one member from House Gremory. I didn't feel Roswise was given a good introduction to the series and Hero's start did nothing for me to be won over by her character. She doesn't seem educated to be a teacher and if whining about not being able to find a boyfriend wasn't bad enough, they gave her a drinking problem. With how underutilized she wasn't born and the fact I really had no idea what she was fully capable of because of her hangover this season, I could tell what direction the story was headed. They were going to have to give Roz White shine so Konako would be the one to go. Konako didn't get much this season but her gut punching Issei after speaking about Kuno was awesome. When Konako was the knockoff black hat during the live show and all the old creepers were cheering for her, I was laughing. I love Konako and even though I wanted more for her, these moments were fun. Now all I ask when a character I like has to lose is let them go down in a blaze of glory. This bullshit battle couldn't even give me that. Thing from the Fantastic Four was tough, Konako blasted him in the face and Roswise made him taste the rainbow with little success. Konako is again the first out on the Gremory side, hoed by an attack she didn't see coming. The jackasses who wrote this couldn't even come up with a different way to knock her out of this rating game. Next is Issei vs Koreana. I was uneasy about Team Gremory sending in Issei on Cyra Org's terms. He could have set a trap to keep Issei out of the following round. Obviously I knew Issei would not be knocked out mid-tournament, but I was intrigued to discover how he would find a way to overcome the seduction. Finally someone used Issei's perversions against him and this show did one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Even horny anime protagonists have a code. 
You never take the panties off before the bra. When I tell you I couldn't stop laughing, I'm dead serious. I had to go tell my boys Kaylee Kale and Blase about it right away. The next day I was laughing and someone asked what was funny. I told them never take the panties off before the bra. He was like, dude, you're still going on about that? My question is, what if this plan was successful and Issei was powerless to stop Koreana's charm? I thought Cyroorg wanted to have an all-out war with Issei. If the plan worked, he would have lost that opportunity. In my review for High School DxD Born, I mentioned they could have done more with Gasper. I wasn't a fan of him always being scared. Coming into this season, I really had no expectations for him. Issei has a talk with Gasper about being a man in house Gremory. It's easy to forget the female to male ratio is 2 to 1. It appears even less as Gasper has feminine features and chooses to wear the girls' school uniform. Training Gasper, Issei is aware what he is capable of, he just needs Gasper to have confidence. Issei tells him you are a man of host Gremory. Look at the exclusive club Gasper is in with Issei the Red Dragon Emperor on one side and Kiba a badass swordsman on the other. They are beside Gasper, not above him. Gasper needs to start acting like he's on their level. Gasper has always been one of the boys, he only needs to realize it. Being a man comes with certain responsibilities like protecting the girls and never giving up. The rating game is where Gasper must fulfill those duties. Gasper is nervous before the press conference so he jumps back into his safety box. Nothing wrong with that, the nerves are a good thing. Kiba asks Gasper if he's going to change into a male uniform, which he says no, it would feel weird to change now. As much as I loved Gasper embracing being one of the boys, I was happy he didn't change clothes. Gasper is who he is and wearing the girl's uniform feels right to him. The last thing he needed was to be nervous and uncomfortable before battle. When the dice were cast and Gasper's number was up, he didn't cower with his head down like a student afraid the teacher was going to call their name when they didn't know the answer. He announced it was his time to enter the fight and was ready. When Gasper was in the arena, he was the star of the show. When Zenovia is incapacitated, he got her to safety. Gasper knew how to break the curse, chalked out a magic circle real quick, added some of Issei's blood and was off. Gasper didn't stay hidden away, he faces a dragon and mage head up in a fight. Devils have been knocked off the board all game, but Gasper doesn't quit or go out easy. Blast after blast he is slammed into rock walls, Gasper takes a beating to give Zenovia time to recover. When it looks like Gasper is down for the count, he uses time control magic to protect Zenovia again. He is a man of host Gremory, here to protect the girls. Issei held back for Konako, but couldn't for Gasper. He was crying when the match was over, only because he knew Gasper had it in him all along. I was amazed with everything Gasper did in his match, it gave me a real appreciation for his character. The only thing that could have made this better was instead of Issei and Cyroorg talking in the hospital after the fight, I wanted Issei to find Gasper and give him the biggest hug. Tell Gasper he is proud of him and how amazing he was. Now Akano was disrespected in her fight. I figured with the way things were going we needed to lose another person but my god they knocked her out quick. Akano is the queen and you're telling me she has never had an attack reversed on her? Akano fried herself, she wasn't even overpowered. I understand not everyone can have a battle like Gasper, the rating game would drag on forever, but they didn't have to take her out like that. In this next fight I knew we would lose everyone because obviously Issei would have to fight Cyraorg in the finals. I expected a good fight and got it. When Roswise appeared to get blasted away early on I was furious. I was huffing and puffing like we lost Konako so Roswise could be wrecked immediately in the next round she fights in. Luckily I was fooled and Roswise pulled out a surprise rainbow blast. She gets knocked out, but I gained a much-needed appreciation for her after this fight. When Zenovia tried to slice Cyra Org and it didn't cut, I was like, oh no, we're screwed. 
Then Kiba jumps in and their combined power severed his arm. What I love about this battle is it didn't just give Issei and Riaz an advantage in the next round because the Phoenix Tears was used. Issei mentions Cyra Org is compromised. His reattached arm isn't functioning at max power so Issei's friends getting beat wasn't for nothing. Which is good because it looked like Zenovia and Kiba were dead when Cyber Org was finished with them. What can you say about the next battle? Issei wasn't planning on taking her out of the game, he was going to take the soul from her body. Cyber Org saved his queen's life by removing her before the blast hit. Finally Cyber Org skips the formalities, let's give the people what they came here to see. King and Pawn vs King and Pawn. I know he wants Issei at his best, but if I was Cyra Org, I wouldn't let him near Riaz in the raiding game knowing her rack can increase dragon power. The disrespect continued towards Riaz. I mentioned earlier it would be nice to see Issei and Riaz fight side by side. Be careful what you wish for because this is not what I wanted. Issei and Cyra Org are neck and neck going blow for blow, while Riaz a king gets beat like a drum by a pawn. Once Regulus dislocated his own shoulder and transformed, it wasn't even competitive. In season 1 Riaz was a beast. She effortlessly deflected simultaneous attacks from three fallen angels. Every season after they make her less and less effective in battle. The other team could have won if Regulus hadn't warned Issei to heal Riaz. Issei has to waste the phoenix tears on her so that advantage is out the window and it's not as if a healed Riaz contributes much. For the rest of the raiding game she just sits on the sidelines as the opposition merge to fight Issei. The Golden Lion versus the Red Dragon Emperor you know I love armored battles and these two look deadly. I was hyped watching the pair of them beat the hell out of each other. Cyra Org loses but continues fighting while unconscious from his own willpower on some Rock Lee shit. Now we get into the nitpicks. The schoolgirls can be heard giggling as Issei approaches from the staircase to peep on them, yet no one hears him and Roswai shooting magical explosions just outside the door. Did Akino, Riaz, and Konako do anything other than bathe while everyone else was on the school trip? Every time it cut back to them, they were getting washed up. You can't blame Issei for flopping in the sauna, he was in sensory overdrive. With that stimulation, he couldn't count to 10, let alone give a proper confession. It annoys me how surprised these characters are when an enemy has sacred gear. I mean, honestly, who doesn't have it at this point? Not that it didn't stand out before, but it really caught my eye this season. Issei has his red dragon armor. Roswise has her Valkyrie attire, Zenovia has her Metal Gear Solid outfit, but other characters fight in their school uniforms. If Roswise trained with Vegeta, the enemy's gravity attack wouldn't have held her down. Regulus Aram is a giant golden lion, but his voice actor sounds like a 14-year-old boy. Even if they are cordial, I don't know about putting Issei and Cyra Org in the same hospital room. If they were lesser gentlemen, the fight may have continued. After the raiding game, Kiva and Issei being promoted to mid-ranking devils, I totally get it, but Akino? I love her, but she doesn't deserve shit after that performance. The more I thought about it, where was Valley and Kuroka this season? Did the villains just decide to leave the Gremory family alone for a while? Best Girl Waifu and Harem None of these girls really had any moments to shine this season. The only reason I'd consider Riaz is because she finally made it official with Issei, but all the other creative choices disqualify her. Honestly, I'm tempted to just give it to Gasper. His moments this season were the best. I guess I'll give it to Kuno seeing as no other girl deserves it. Issei kept the streak alive of saying the right thing at the right time to a girl in need. Showing a little understanding to Kuno had her fall for him almost immediately. I love how Kuno rode on Issei's shoulder while on the way to save her mother. And Mama Fox would be the only addition to the harem, joining Riaz, Akino, and Arena. Final Thoughts 
I was indifferent about the first half of this season, but the rating game is one of the best arcs this series has to offer. It was nice to not have a villain, just competition to achieve a goal. Unfortunately, High School DxD Hero was really pulled down by visual quality. If I was to rank the seasons from best to worst, it would be Season 1, Season 2, Season 4, then Season 3. To be honest, if a Season 5 is released, it would need an amazing story to have me sit through the terrible physical depictions of characters I love. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.